Hey everyone, Misaligned is back this week and we have Becky Kovach on and I did not butcher her name this time. So, you know, this is a plus. I've had you on my other podcast, Becky, and I know I totally butchered it the first time. So I've been trying to get better at it. You've been doing a great job. Awesome. And so you all know, today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me Please. You can join their record of the month club at joinvmp.com forward slash misaligned. That'll be in the show notes. Don't worry about memorizing that link. And as always, misaligned is part of the modern vinyl family of podcasts. You can go to modern-vinyl.com and find all of the other podcasts on there, like the modern vinyl podcast, which they recently dropped a nearly two hour episode on brand new. So, you know, I, Highly recommend you guys check that out. I'm sure it gets a little crazy as that podcast tends to do. Wow. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is quite the long episode. But you know, I've had my share of longer episodes when I've had, you know, Jason Tate on or something, and we go for almost two hours without realizing it. So I understand how that can happen. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially with a record like that. Yeah, exactly. But Becky, why don't we dive into the conversation? This is a hear our voices season of misaligned. So we're just, you know, really looking to get perspectives on the music scene from women in the scene, transgendered people in the scene, and basically anyone who is willing to talk about these things in the scene. And why don't you let everyone know what your job in the music industry is right now? Yeah, so I work full-time as a music publicist at Big Picture Media. Um, Basically, if you want to come out and cover a show, if you want to set up an interview with an artist, you want to review an album, I'm the person you have to go through for certain artists. Yeah, and PR is something that, you know, pretty much every band needs if they want to take their band seriously anyway. But a lot of bands will opt to do it themselves until they can afford, you know, publicists and everything like that. But with Big Picture Media, the unique thing about the firm is that it's largely women. So is it all of the publicists are women? And then there's just, you know, a few guys here and there for other stuff. So give me an idea of what BPM looks like on a regular day? Yeah. So our company is about 10 people at this point and everybody except for our general manager, um, we're all women. Our general manager is the only guy at the company. So all of the publicists are women. Awesome. And I didn't necessarily realize that it was only 10 people because I was going to guess that it was like, you know, 90 to 95% females at the office. So, you know, that, that was a pretty good guess there. So. Yeah, that's accurate. Um, yeah, we're about 10 people. Um, and like I said, all of the publicists are women. And then our general manager, Paul, is the only dude in the office. Yeah. So is everyone in the office every day or are people sort of here and there, not always in the office because of events or something that they have to do? Um, So for the most part, we are all in the office every day. But um, as you said, with events, um, or if we have bands touring through New York City, we might have press days, that would be the kind of thing that would take us out of the office. But for the most part, we are at our desks every day sending out hundreds of emails. Yeah. And do you ever end up out of office and out of state for something like a big festival? Because I know big pictures handling 
the press for High and Low Fest, which I somehow am going to be going to for press reasons. Oh, I was awesome. I was sort of shocked when I got the confirmation. I was like, really? Me? My little site? <laughs> <laughs> but it did say, you know, I think it said Dana and Natalie maybe would be on site. Yeah. Um, so Dana and Natalie and also Katie Cooper from our office, they will all be on site at High and Low Festival, as will Paul. Okay. So yeah, in, in certain cases, we do travel out of state for festivals and bigger events like that. Awesome. And with that being the case, you know, where big pictures, mostly women, do you feel, you know, it's a lot easier to sort of just thrive in that kind of setting? Or do you think, you know, there are still other firms that you could have worked for that you still would have had the opportunity to thrive in? Um, I definitely think it's easier to thrive at a company like Big Picture where it is all women and especially because of the women who are at this company. Um, Because it's not just enough to say like girl power, but you know, everybody at Big Picture really does support each other and we're all kind of there for each other um, with anything that we might need. And we all go out to each other's clients shows and if we need help brainstorming and everybody's really got each other's backs, which is a, a great feeling to walk in every day and know that. Yeah, and it helps when you have such a small team, too, because obviously with Paul being the general manager, he's not necessarily involved in the, the publicity aspect of ever, everything. Right. He's probably more there to make sure, you know, like the lights stay on and that sort of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's all the business side of things. Um, and when it comes to actual publicity, it's it's just the, the girls in the office. Um, and the cool thing about our setup is that everybody sits in one room together um, and our desks are all pretty close together. So it, it's a very communal feeling. Yeah, it's not like you're stuck in cubicles or something right. like that where you're just sort of staring at these two or three walls and you're like, oh, hey, what time is it? You know? Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So I do want to note that while Megan couldn't join us due to none of our schedules completely lining up, she did, you know, offer up some questions for this. So not all of these questions are necessarily coming from me. We did work on them together. And I know one of the things that Megan really wanted to ask about is if there's anything that you think would make the industry more receptive to open conversations about sexism and how to combat it, obviously, with what big picture is doing, you know, that's a fairly good way to combat it. It's just like, you know, just have all the women be the publicists and, you know, <laughs> sort of run your company that way. But, you know, while that works for a smaller place like big picture media, that's not something that would necessarily work for, you know, the huge companies in the music industry, because one, you would have to like, figure out how to get rid of a ton of people <laughs> without, you yeah. know, making it obvious or something like that. And, you know, that's a whole other legal situation. But what do you think can be done to sort of open up the conversation more? Yeah. Um, and I would just like to point out that we don't go out of our way to necessarily make big picture media all women. It's right. just kind of worked out that way. Um, and that, that is definitely a rare occurrence within the music industry. But I think the biggest thing that we can do is just have those people who are more visible within music and entertainment in general, be more vocal about 
sexism and and just kind of setting an example for everyone else. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I know some people have interned at Big Picture, some guys specifically, like I yes. believe Scott Fuger was there for a bit. I know he's yes, mentioned he the company before. So yeah, it's definitely not like just a girls club on purpose. It's more something that happened by chance. And that sort of leads me into another thought I had about this. It seems like whenever I get publicity emails, a good chunk of them are from women. So it seems like publicity is sort of where women are really dominating in the music scene right now, I want to say, especially when you have firms like Big Picture, Catalyst, and sort of these smaller to mid-sized firms popping up. And, you know, you just get a lot of ladies doing the work for these bands and everything like that. Do you think that's something that was sort of just a coincidence? Or do you feel like, you know, guys tend to go for the sort of more marketing strategy and those sort of positions? You know, I'm not really sure. It's definitely something I've noticed as well, though, um, especially coming from the other side of things where I, I've been a writer for years now and I'm used to getting emails from other publicists where I've just kind of seen that a lot of the emails I'm getting, like you said, are coming from women. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure what it is about PR specifically that makes it so kind of female driven, mm -hmm. but it's the only aspect in the music industry where I've really seen that. And I've, I've always kind of wondered why that is, and I've never really been able to figure it out. We should make that our homework to see if we can try and figure it out because it seems so odd compared to the rest of the music industry. And it's one of those things where I don't know if it's because there's so much uncertainty in publicity too because you know as you know you can send out tons and tons of emails and just not hear back from anyone and I try very hard not to be that person because you know I've done it from both sides as a writer and as you know someone who's trying to get publicity for bands so I understand but some days I'm just like okay you guys keep sending me stuff that I am not going to listen to because I've told you before I don't like metal bands metalcore bands or that sort of thing so it's just like some things get that automatic delete but then other times I try to you know not delete an email but sort of just keep it in my inbox so it's a constant reminder of hey you need to get to this and I try to keep my inbox pretty slim there but do you ever find yourself sort of just you know, wanting to change your mind about being in the industry some days? You know, as of as of today, I've never really had that thought where maybe I'm in the wrong industry or in the wrong field. Um, music is something that I've always very much wanted to be a part of. Um, ever since I was in middle school, essentially, I, I knew that I wanted to work in music and it took me a little bit of time to figure out what exactly my role was going to be in this industry. Um, but as soon as I started interning at big picture media and I started learning what PR was and how it worked and what exactly it did for bands, I just kind of realized that that was where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be doing. And, you know, it's been five years since that first day as an intern. And so far it's still where I want to be. Yeah. And that's awesome. And that sort of leads into what we mentioned 
just before we started hit to hit record on this episode, but you mentioned you've mostly had positive experiences in the industry, and that obviously includes at Big Picture because you've been there for so long already. And, you know, I feel like I've really had good experiences with the people I've met and everything like that, too. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, my job hunt has been, like, a bad experience in like the negative sense. I mean, it's been rough because, you know, jobs are things you need. So <laughs> it's one of those things for me where it's like, you know, some days I will sort of take a step back and be like, okay, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> and, you know, yeah. am I crazy for wanting to do this so badly? And, you know, I have most definitely lost count of how many different jobs I've applied to. And that's, you know, stuff in the industry and stuff outside of the industry as well. So it's not solely been, you know, like rejection from all the music companies or anything like that. But, you know, it's one of those situations where you sort of have to fall into the right place at the right time. Yeah. And do you feel that's really what happened with you at Big Picture? Yeah. Well, I mean, 100%. I always tell people that I don't know, you know, what I would be doing if I wasn't at big picture media. Um, I mean, with the exception of maybe having gone to culinary school so that I could be a pastry chef, but that's a <laughs> completely different dream there. Um, but yeah, I got very lucky with big picture media and I only found out about the company in the first place because I had a friend of a friend who was interning there when I was in college and, um, she knew that I wanted to get into music and we were hanging out one day and she said, you know, I, I think you would really like this company. You should check them out and, and get in touch with them. And she actually connected me at, at that time. And I started interning the summer after my sophomore year. And I just kind of fell in love with the company and with the people and, and with the work itself. And especially with the clients at, at this point, all of the clients that we work with are bands that I've either loved since I was in middle school or they're bands that I have come to know and love. Um, so I just, I ended up staying there for two years as an intern. And then when I graduated college, a position opened up and, and Dana offered it to me and saying yes was easily one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah. And I want to bring up too that the fact that Big Picture actually had two offices for a bit. So they had the New York office that yes. you are in, and then they had an office out here in LA. So was it roughly, you know, like a 50-50 split there? You mean like people-wise? Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe we were split pretty evenly between the New York and the LA offices. Right. And obviously, you know, the overhead of two offices, especially when you're a small company like Big Picture, eventually might not make as much sense. And I know you aren't the one who made the decision on this or anything like that. But what was it like having everyone from the LA office come and be in the New York office? Did it sort of just feel like the right thing to do and sort of, you know, the families all in one place, basically? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that that was the driving factor behind closing the LA office rather than, you know, overhead or anything like that. It was just a matter of wanting to kind of bring everyone together and really make it that that family environment that it's come to be. Right. Um, and, you know, I had only met the, the people who were working in the LA office at the time a handful of times before they moved to New York. 
And it was weird at first having everybody under one roof, but in the long run, it really was the best decision. And it's been so much fun having everyone together. Yeah, see, I was personally a little bummed that the LA office did not exist anymore because, you know, I'm sure during this job hunt, it would have been awesome if I could have, you know, interned at that office or something, which, you know, I'm not, you know, saying Dana shouldn't have made that decision or anything like that by any means. It's just, you know, from a personal standpoint, when you know that this company is here and then you sort of don't think about that opportunity sooner than you have, it's just a little bit of a bummer because I know recently Dana was either looking for interns or a new publicist or something like that. And, you know, I emailed her. I was like, would you consider a remote person? And she was like, no, sorry. I was like, that's okay. <laughs> you know. So it's one of those things where I've sort of just been asking pretty much anyone I can think of, you know, like, hey, is this remote or are there offices? Because sometimes you just honestly can't tell when you're just getting a bunch of emails from yeah. you know, the same company name. You're like, oh, are these people all, you know, in one spot or is, is it like Catalyst where you have sort of people all over the United States for them and everything like that? But, you know, I think it's really cool that Big Picture focuses a lot on that family feeling. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about Big Picture. And just so you know, there's always space for you in the New York office if you ever want to make the trek out to the East Coast. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there is a real value in having everybody under one roof and, you know, sometimes the best thing for me, if I'm struggling to think of new outlets to pitch an artist to, or new angles for one of my bands, um, one of the best things for me is just being able to sit down with everyone in like a staff meeting and and being able to really kind of talk it out and have everybody else chime in and and give ideas and brainstorm with me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me to move back to the East Coast, I feel like I would need it to be sort of like the perfect situation because, yeah, I mean, in California, it's not cheap to live here, but I feel like in New York, it's still even worse. And as someone who sort of enjoys living by myself more than having roommates, I feel like that would be very difficult for me to do there. I'm I'm sure I could like do something like, you know, live in Jersey, train into New York or something like what you do, I believe, right? You're in Jersey. Yeah. Um, I am currently living at home with my parents, though, for the sake of saving money. Right. Um, because as you said, trying to live alone in New York or even just outside of New York in New Jersey, um, it, it's not cheap. Yeah. And even, you know, somewhere like Philly, it wasn't as cheap as you would necessarily think it would be especially in the college area probably because they're assuming like everyone's parents are paying for things which you know happened to be the case with some of us but not all of us so you know I had friends who were living in like a house with nine other people and I'm like oh geez no I could never do that like that is something that would drive me crazy and you know it's like yeah, the rent is a lot cheaper if you do that, but like for the sake of your sanity, do you want to do that? <laughs> yeah, is it is it really worth the sacrifice that you will be making? 
um, of, of your sanity, which I, I don't necessarily believe it is. <laughs> yeah, so I totally understand where you're coming from, living with your parents and trying to save money. So for you having that commute outside of the city, is it a totally different experience then to be sort of working in New York and not really being there 24 seven? Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't go to as many like shows or events as I would if I was living in the city, just because, you know, it's a 50 minute train ride just to get back home. Um, So I I usually get up pretty early in the mornings to get into work. And I don't necessarily want to be out until all hours of the night. Um, But, you know, I, I do still go to a fair amount. And I lived in New York City for three and a half years when I went to school there. So it's not like I really feel like I'm missing out on that experience. Okay. And it's kind of nice to have that escape from New York because I do spend, you know, my, my days there working, um, just being able to get outside of the city into the suburbs into a place that's a little bit quieter and calmer and where I don't necessarily feel like I'm running 24 seven. Yeah. So I've only been to New York. I want to say three times, maybe four times. I don't know, but it's not a lot, basically. And it felt like, you know, when I was there, I really enjoyed the city. But then when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if I would actually enjoy like being here all the time, though. Like, it's very overwhelming at times. And it can be, yeah. If you are someone who is just sort of walking around and not really knowing what you're doing, I feel like, you know, that it's a little more overwhelming for you at the time. But you know, here, we don't have nearly as great of a public transportation system. So for you, you can at least, you know, get things done on your commute to and from the office being in Jersey and everything. Whereas for me, you know, it could take me two hours to drive to LA in the morning if I were living in Orange County and driving to a job in LA. And I can't really do anything while I'm driving because I'm I'm driving. (laughs) You know, I can't sit there and read a book. I mean, as slow as you go, I probably could, but you know, I would never try to do that while I was driving. And, you know, looking into the train might be something I would have to consider, but I feel like because of the fact that it's not as, you know, frequent of a thing here as yeah. it is in, you know, like Philly, Jersey, New York, I feel like it would just end up costing nearly just as much as driving to and from but maybe not because I kind of I drive a box so you know (laughs) that does not do me any favors but that aside what has your overall experience been like outside of big picture in the music industry I know you well before we actually dive into this next portion that I want to dive into, let me tell you guys more about Vinyl Me Please before I forget, because I have been known to do that a time or two. So again, today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me Please. You can join their Record of the Month Club at joinvmp.com forward slash misaligned. And for all of the listeners of Misaligned, Vinyl Me Please is a Record of the Month Club. It's a wonderful record of the month club every month they feature one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and you know it's ironic that they call it a modern vinyl collection here since we are part of the modern vinyl family of podcasts and they send these albums out to thousands of members worldwide and what you get along with the record is you get a drink recipe and a 12 by 12 
piece of art print, an art print, basically. Got the words mixed up there. But they do give you more than just the record for what you're paying. And, you know, the subscriptions are very, very reasonable for what you are getting. And I know, Becky, you know how out of hand vinyl buying can get sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I just I have a real problem with that. <laughs> and, you know, some vinyl can get to be very, very pricey. But I think Vinyl Me Please does an excellent job of keeping it to a reasonable rate. And then, you know, they're very, very good at curating what they're going to put out and everything like that. So, you know, again, that's joinvmp.com forward slash misaligned to join Vinyl Me Please today. So, Becky, what I wanted to talk to you about is your writing, because I know that's something you've done outside of Big Picture for quite a while now. So how did you get started with music writing? So I guess I got my start back in high school. Um, I was a writer for my high school paper, and I think it was like end of my freshman year, beginning of sophomore, the person who was the music writer for the paper had to quit for whatever reason. And um, as soon as the position opened up, I kind of hit up the supervisor and was like, I really want to do this. Um, So I started doing reviews for the school paper. And I think it was like four issues a year. So it wasn't a whole lot, but it was a little bit of practice. um, And it was enough that I was able to kind of keep with it when I hit college and start doing it for the college paper. And it's just something that I've always kind of stuck with ever since. Um, I don't get to do it nearly as much as I would like to now just because work schedule tends to be pretty nuts. But I still try to write where where and when I can. Yeah. And how we both know each other via the Internet anyway is through Property of Zach. How did you get started there? Because, you know, when I met Zach, the site was already started and everything like that. That was our freshman year of college. And then, you know, he ended up selling it and all that fun stuff that came after. Yeah, that so, was a roller coaster. Yeah. Did you know Zach before you started writing for Property of Zach? Or is that sort of how you got to know him and how you got involved? Um, that's That's pretty much how I got to know him. I think I met Zach once prior to starting to write for the site. And it was like in passing at Warp Tour. Um, I know him and Dana have always known each other um, pretty much since the start of the site. Okay. Um, and, you know, Big Picture was always really big about supporting property of Zach. So I was at Warp Tour. It was a few months into my internship at Big Picture Media. And Dana had come out to the same Warp Tour day. And I ran into her while I was walking around pretty much having the best day of my life. Um, and he was walking past and Dana stopped him and kind of introduced us. And I think it was about a month or so later that the site posted that they were looking for new writers. And, um, as I mentioned, I had been writing for my college paper. So I sent along my resume, mentioned that I was interning at big picture media. I sent along some writing samples and it wasn't long after that, that I got an email saying that they would like to have me start writing for the site. Nice. And you obviously got involved earlier than I did. I didn't get involved with the site really until after I had already started living with Zach off campus our sophomore year. So, you know, he sort of just had me doing 
things like drafting up news posts and, you know, putting the playlist together on Spotify and everything. And every once in a while, I would actually write something for the website, you know, like the 10 year features and everything that he had going on there. And, you know, his big to do in Asana and everything like that. Yeah. I have not used that app since actually. No. (laughs) (laughs) It, it quickly got eaten up by Slack. <laughs> yeah, I I forgot Asana even existed. Wow. Yeah, and I think I tried to use it for like my own site once. I was like, I don't have enough people for this. No one cares. <laughs> so I just stopped using it. But you also did some writing for Chorus, which was formerly Absolute Punk. So how did you get involved in that? Was that sort of something that came from being involved with Property of Zach? I would say at least indirectly, it it definitely was a result of, you know, all the writing that I did at Property of Zach, because I I was with Property of Zach for about three years before they did away with reviews. Um, And I think it was about a month before Zach announced the shift away from doing album reviews um, that Absolute Punk made a post about, you know, hiring new writers. And I applied there. And it took about six months before I heard back. Um, And at this point, I had already been out of writing for six months, because, like I said, Property of Zach was kind of shifting away from doing reviews. Um, And I just, I hadn't really decided where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do if I wanted to stick with it. And I got the email from Jason, you know, I think it was like June after I had stopped writing. And like I said, it'd been like six months and I was starting to miss it. And I got the email from Jason and it was just perfect timing. And I was like, yeah, I absolutely still want to do it. Yeah. And the thing that sort of sucks is both of those sites went through a very, very similar situation with spin media and everything like that. And, you know, I don't know any exact details. I just know things did not go so well after both were sold to spin and then both sort of got the sites back kind of sort of, but not really. So then, you know, property of Zach ended up becoming something quite a bit different from what it initially was and then lasted. I I believe it was about a year after that, I want to say. I could be a little off on that. I know Zach is very, very, you know, up to date on when he has done everything and his yeah. dates and everything. It's very amazing. I can't do it. I'm just like, when did I start my label? I don't I know. know. I know like the month. But then you know, I was like, was it was it this year or the other year? And, you know, that's something that I've always been bad at. But Zach seems to have everything, you know, stored away somewhere for him to remember and you know, Absolute Punk then became Chorus FM, which I know you still do reviews every once in a while there. And honestly, I don't even know how I got started writing there. I don't even know what happened. But it's just like, suddenly I wrote some things for Chorus. And I was like, oh, okay, because you know, I wasn't an active user on Absolute Punk. I think I didn't even join until like the last year of the site's existence. So (laughs) I was very, very late to, you know, joining the community on Absolute Punk and everything like that. And then I honestly have literally no clue how any of this happened. I know I had started misaligned already and I think I had asked to have Jason on maybe and that's sort of when things started to get rolling for me getting more involved with 
chorus and everything like that. And then I was, you know, one of the like beta users on the chorus forums and everything. And now I'm like very deep into the chorus forums. So it's definitely, you know, one of those things where it just sort of happened to be I got to know Jason better at the right time. And then he just sort of let me write some stuff without asking for like samples or anything like that. Because I think he was like, you know, if I said I was going to do something, I would get it done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's not it, it's very similar to what I was saying earlier about big picture media, where it was just kind of the right place at the right time situation. Um, and it seems to have worked out really well. Yeah. And Chorus is obviously also not quite the same as Absolute Punk was. And I know you've been in the forums here and there on Chorus, but what would you say is like the big factor for how different these sites ended up being? Would you contribute that to, you know, everything that happened at Spin or would you also contribute it just to how the music industry and, you know, music websites are changing in general? I, I would definitely say it has a lot to do with just the way the industry and music sites in general are changing. Um, but also everything about Chorus is is all Jason. I right. mean, it, that website is exactly what he wants it to be. And he's always been really great at figuring out what's next and, and how he wants to make it happen. Yeah. So it was definitely cool to see the shift from Absolute Punk, which he was trying for years to update and Spin just wouldn't let him um, to finally getting Chorus kind of up and running and seeing his vision come to life. Yeah. And he had Chorus as a website beforehand too it was sort of like his personal little portal where he would you know put the tech articles he was reading or you know recommendations and things like that and you know I had been following that even when absolute punk was still kind of sort of around and it's funny because I actually had a premiere that was supposed to go up on absolute punk and it accidentally got scheduled for the day the site was shutting down. So it just oh, like never man. happened. <laughs> and oh, it, no. it was just one of those things where, you know, Jason hadn't really told everyone, I guess. And whoever I had contacted either got the date wrong or, you know, just sort of forgot. And I was just like, all right, I will uh, scramble and get this up somewhere else. And I believe it was under the gun that ended up posting it another site that is now no Uh, longer around really (laughs) yeah it's really weird to think back on all of the sites that have kind of come and gone um another one is like alter the press which i think gets updated once every like six months or so but that was another big one that just kind of fell by the wayside it it seems yeah and even from my site after a couple of years of doing like the news posts that Jason and Zach would do, I was just like, you know what? No one's coming to my site to read the news. So I'm just going to put all of the songs and videos up on Twitter and Facebook. And I know you're familiar with this because, you know, I'll send you emails and be like up on the social media accounts, not like on an actual website anymore. And I think that's something that is actually better for the bands because then it's fewer clicks for people from the Twitter and Facebook account to listen to these songs. Most right. of the time you can just hit, you know, play right in Twitter or Facebook now too. So I feel like, you know, 
on social media, it's been a lot more active doing that instead of forcing people to go to the website and then see if there's an embed or if there isn't, you have to click on another link and go to another website. And, you know, I just, as someone who is not a fan of all the clicks, I wanted to minimize that for everyone else as much as possible because, you know, my site was never going to be like the size of Absolute Punk or Property Zach or anything like that. And I knew that it was something I started more for myself. So I was fine with that. And I think, you know, when I explained it to or sent the link to a lot of the publicists and everything, it was actually more well received than I thought it would be. I was, you know, I did a post like, hey, I'm not posting news on the website anymore. So here's what's happening. And even now, you know, publicists are sort of going more the feature route. And I really appreciate it when, you know, people actually pay attention to what I send them. And they're like, okay, so we'll sort of pitch you more of these things now. And, you know, because I'm such a small site, I was just assuming everyone would sort of just expect me to keep doing news posts and not really pay attention to the link I sent them. But, you know, it's one of those things where I think, you know, features on the site or interviews or playlists or something like that are going to generally do better than just a news post would anyway on there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, I think the transition away from news posts to just kind of putting the video on social media instead is a really good example of just how the industry is constantly changing and the way things are done constantly changes and how everybody has to kind of follow suit and transition with it. And we definitely, on on my end, we definitely find that features tend to do better, um, especially when bands share them on their socials and stuff. Right. Um, And, you know, something that we're finding more and more is that pitching to writers and to different outlets and stuff, it always seems to be more successful when it's more story driven. Yeah. So for us, it's all about finding that angle that's going to hit the right note with the writer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason, you know, Jason can get away with doing the news posts on course still is because he's built a community there. So I feel like anyone who is in the forums, you know, he has the articles automatically go to a specific thread in the forum for article discussion. And just having that conversation around all of these news posts and everything, I think that's what makes his site different for that purpose. And, you know, that is something that works really well for him. But I think if every site started doing that, it would just fall flat because how many people want to be on, you know, like 10 to 20 forums a day just to sort of keep up with everything? Right. Yeah. And I I completely agree with that, though. I will say that one of the best changes that Jason made going from Absolute Punk to Chorus was kind of separating those forums from the actual posts. Yeah. Because one of the things that we always found was that um, when a review would go up or even just a simple news post or something, if the forums took the forum, they usually did take a, a kind of negative turn. Um, And people could be very negative in those forums. And it made bands want to work with the site less, which, you know, just kind of makes it harder on everyone. Um, So I I think that, yeah, the forums are one of the things that makes Chorus such a a special site and kind of makes it stand out um, amongst 
a slew of online music websites, um, but keeping them separate from the actual posts was a really great idea and a great move. Yeah, definitely. Because you can go to the forums and, you know, click article discussion and you can sort of see what's been posted throughout the day. But when you comment on that, it does not show up on the front page of the website or anything. Right. So basically, it just looks a lot prettier, too. <laughs> and I think that yeah, helps it's a lot. Cleaner experience. Because I remember when I first went to Absolute Punk, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so much happening at once. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was one of those things. That's why I sort of didn't join the community and everything until later. But, you know, you have had the experience of both. And I know, like you said, you're a lot busier now. So you're probably not on the forums nearly as much as I am. I kind of sort of just keep the tab open all day and just check it periodically when I notice like, you know, it's like, hey, you have 10 unread threads or something like that. And for me, you know, it's definitely been a positive experience. You know, it's Probably, too, because I'm not really in the music threads, so to speak. I'm more in, like, the comic book threads and, yeah. you know, the TV and movie threads and everything like that and book threads. So it's like, you know, I'm getting all these recommendations from people and having these conversations about things that I wouldn't necessarily have on any other music-based website, I guess you could say. Yeah, and it, it's definitely a very different discussion than you find in a lot of those music threads. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things I want to wrap up with here is just, you know, sort of your overall thoughts on where the music industry is headed. You know, we talked about the sites and music journalism sort of being totally different than it was when, you know, Absolute Punk and Property of Zach were sort of at their peak there. But the industry as a whole, do you think with the way things are progressing now, it's going to make things better for the industry? Or do you think it's sort of going to continue to sort of be a difficult change for a lot of companies and job wise and everything like that? Well, I think it depends on what specifically you're talking about, you know, in terms of sexism within the industry and the experience of women in music, I feel like we're headed in the right direction. It's just a matter of really getting that big push there. Um, when it comes to music journalism, you know, I don't necessarily know if there's a better or a worse. I think things just are always changing and it's a matter of just trying to keep up with those trends. Right. Um, like I said, with pitching and, and trying to get features for artists and stuff, we're finding that, you know, we really have to drive home the story behind the band or the, the artist when we're pitching. Um, and, you know, something that we're also seeing these days is a huge shift away from exclusive premieres. So like song premieres, videos, album streams, things like that. Um, you know, websites don't necessarily want to do them as much as they used to. Yeah. And if they do, they, they still really want that story um, to go with it. It's not just like, hey, we're the first site to post this, this song anymore. Um, and, you know, at the same time, artists and, and labels and, and things like that, they also don't really want to go for those big exclusive premieres anymore. Everyone's just kind of pushing thing out, things out from their own socials. Right. So it, it's just, like I said, a matter of kind of adapting to the situation and figuring out, okay, here's where we stand right now. How can I make the most of it? 
Yeah, and you know, the industry is going through that as a whole with the switch to streaming and everything, which mm-hmm. I know streaming's been around for a while now, but it's sort of starting to really hit a lot of people and companies that it's like, you know, okay, we aren't going to necessarily get the album sales here, but instead we're going to get streaming royalties and everything like that, which, as you know, are not a whole lot unless you're someone like, you know, Taylor Swift or Beyonce, pretty much. And I know some bands do fairly well from them. Like, I'm sure bands like Blink and Yellow Card, some of the bigger bands in the scene, get a pretty decent check from places like Spotify and Apple Music and everything just because, you know, they are sort of the staple bands in the scene. And it's like everyone's sort of always listening to those bands and Motion City soundtrack and, you know, the bands that have been around for pretty much 20 years, basically. Yeah. And uh, at this point, Spotify is kind of becoming the new radio, um, just in the sense that you know, people aren't really looking for radio airplay anymore when we're talking to new bands that we're going to be working with or, you know, potential new bands. Um, One of the things that we get asked the most is about Spotify playlists. Yeah. Um, Because placement on the right playlist is the difference between, you know, getting those bigger royalties or even just reaching more fans and and building your fan base. And it's, definitely becoming the new thing to think about. Yeah, it's funny. I'm actually working with a freelance PR client right now. And that's sort of the big topic because I haven't looked into it that much. So I might need to pick your brain on that later. But we can definitely do that at a different time because I'm sure I'll go off on a complete tangent and everything like that. But, you know, I think that really wraps up what I wanted to talk to you about as far as, you know, publicity, where the industry is going and your experience in it. And I know we covered the questions Megan wanted to ask too. And again, I apologize that we could not make it work out to where all of us would be here. And, you know, it's pretty late for you right now. So it's not quite as late for me because, you know, the whole time difference thing. But Becky, I just want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, it is not the latest that we have ever podcasted. So No, it is not, surprisingly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that we were able to kind of talk through some of this stuff. It's definitely interesting to think about, you know, where the music industry was even just five years ago and, and think about where it'll be five years from now. Yeah, because, you know, in 2011, I was starting my music industry degree at Drexel. And now it's just like, you know, things have changed so much since then. And I'm just like, wait, how did that happen so quickly? Yeah, I uh, I had the realization earlier that I've been with big picture media in some capacity for a, a fifth of my life. So that is something. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a weird thing to think about. Awesome. Well, I'm sure I will be podcasting with you again soon, Becky, whether it's for this one or Welcome to Geekdom. That remains to be seen. But for now, yeah, for sure. that is all I have for you. And thank you to Vinyl Me Please for sponsoring this episode. And as always, to the listeners, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, guys.